the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Uh, Nice crisp day here in April. Let's start our minds because everybody's negative, so let's be positive. Let's let's make it a, a concerted effort to be positive, okay? Whatever the mind of a man can conceive and believe, it can achieve. Strive not to be a success, but rather to be a value. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled, and that has made all the difference. I, I attribute my, uh, my success to this. I never gave or took any excuse. And then uh, I watched this guy come in and just wipe the Blackhawks off the, the <laughs> ice when I was in Chicago. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne Gretzky. Uh, <laughs> anyway, this is a live show, so we're going to uh, take questions. And uh, the questions you can call in. Uh, my, my boy Andrew is uh, running the... the the technical booth, and it's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. And if you want any things that uh, we talk about in or on this show today, you just go to, go to WHK1420. Go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes Smart Investor Show. It goes right to my webpage. So any of the stuff that you want, you can get. By the way, there was a couple people that called in uh, that were looking for lists right as I got kicked out of my office, <laughs> and I don't have the information. You guys called, you didn't email. So if you're one of those, there's like three people, so those three people, please you know, call me or, or email me, okay? Because uh, your, your email or whatever is sitting on my uh, desk in my office. I'm not, not allowed to go there. Uh, also, we have our Business Owner's Guide to Transition. I highly recommend that to guys who are running a business who think about selling it. And believe me, if you're going with private equity, I'd be very careful. Those guys are not there to give you a big buck, okay? We have some people that can uh, get you a better price, I think, okay? So if you're going to sell a business, let us know. Also, uh, credit access lines. We have the Savvy Investors Guide to Credit, and I'm, believe me, you got to know how to do it. And with interest rates at an all-time low, it's probably a pretty good idea to use debt, all right. Also, I'm going to bring back one that, you know, it's on my web page. It's called the Family Inventory Workbook, and it's probably a pretty good idea to be, be paying close attention to that, too. Okay, so uh, we'll just leave it at that. Um, so I was looking, and, uh, well, let's start off like this. Um, global merger and, and acquisition activity hit $3.9 trillion in 2019. That's a 3% decrease from 2018. But it's the fourth largest dollar volume in history in sixth straight year above $3 trillion. That's, that's pretty amazing. 
Mega deals represented 31% of the global total. That's a sizable jump from 2018. I, I, uh, I think it's like 6% or above. Cross-border deals were, were off 25%, and I think that's because of tariffs and stuff like that. I think that's good, though. According to the Federal Trade Commission, Americans lost $201 million to romance fraud in 2019, up nearly 40% from 2018. There's a lot of people getting emails saying, i got a you know, you know, wonderful person for you or whatever. Be careful out there, okay? Restaurants prices climbed 3.1% in January from a year earlier. That was the fastest increase since 2009. They have now dropped 6%, so uh, that's a big drop. Uh, let's see, what's some other things we could talk about? Uh, you know, I'm trying to be positive. There's some positive headlines. Bill Gates, I don't know if you saw him on CNBC, but he says, here's how we can make up for lost time on COVID-19. And he had some great ideas. By the way, he said something. I think people got to understand this, that the government doesn't have a magic bullet. Okay? The government isn't always to blame. <laughs> uh, the Chinese government may be, but uh, China reported no COVID deaths for the first time. I don't know how much you believe them, but whatever. But New York hospitalization slowed. That's really important because New York City is one of the biggest problems in, in our country. And in Italy, uh, the number of uh, COVID-19 intensive care patients in Italy dropped. They dropped for the first time. Vegas casino model still paying 10,000 employees, which is pretty good. Jack Dorsey from Square and Twitter, he donated a billion dollars to uh, uh, the, the relief fund. Uh, Oprah Winfrey don't, uh, donated $10 million to the fund. Guy Ferry la- uh, launches relief fund for restaurant industry workers. That's another big thing. Trial drug, drugs show promise. I, I read some good stuff about Gilead's product this week. So, you know, it's not, it's not a perfect product. It's not a recommendation, by the way. Uh, but there are some things out there. I mean, you know, Johnson Johnson's got, and, and there's a bunch of people that are working on vaccines, some small companies, some big. And GM uh, stepped up and, and offered some manufacturing blueprints for face masks this week. So uh, good things are happening. And, and I think there's too much negative news out there. So, We'll just leave it at that. Um, you know, I was looking at some stuff uh, this week, and the pe- the Fed did some really big stuff again. They announced another $2.3 trillion in lending. Uh, and, I mean, they are talking about alphabet soup of lending and credit facilities. We, you know, like I, I got a whole piece on this. If you'd like to see it, let us know. One thing I did notice is the high-yield credit spreads uh, tightened of a full percentage point. So we were, you know, we've been talking about that for two weeks, and I had some people who like bonds who bought some of them. And, I, and I've got some really good ideas in that area, uh, not only uh, short-term stuff, but I like uh, long-term stuff too. Uh, so, you know, if you're interested, uh, you got to give me a call, obviously. Uh, now, look, I, I, I did, um, if I could get my machine to work here, uh, there's a couple things I noticed, and, and uh, this is... Uh, you know, um, well, let's put it this way. I, I think there's some opportunity here, but I think you also got to be a little bit careful where we are right now, and I'm going to go into that in more detail. Um, and uh, if I get my machine to work here, here we go. Uh, you know, one of the things we've noticed is that, uh, you know, there are cycles in the stock market. And, you know, there's greed, buy, buy, buy. And, and all my clients were doing that in January. And I'm telling them to sell 
certain stocks, which I won't make mention of at this point, and they're t- they're talking to me about buying things. And I said to myself, "Oh my gosh, this is you know typical." And, and I you know I, I came out and said I thought we'd have a you know somewhere between a seven and ten percent correction. It, it obviously went a little bit more than that because of t- things that we didn't know about at that point. But then we go to a fear sell, and and you know the fear sell now, people are just dumping. And then, then the shorts jump, run up and uh, jump on, and then they have these three-time and four-time, uh, two-time and three-time ETFs that on the downside they jump on, uh, and and it gets to be, uh, you know, it's a it's an impairment, uh, which is interesting. I think uh, you know I, it'll be interesting to see. Now, the one thing I did notice uh, is that. Look, when investors are anxious and fearful, they often make wholesale decisions to raise cash or reduce risk. I had some of my clients who I told to sell in February who sold literally at the bottom, okay? And and not Tim did not solicit that. <laughs> now, Tim actually kind of fought it a little bit, and, uh, you know, that's another story, though, but... These types of actions often cause correlations among securities to increase, potentially creating opportunities for investors. And do you know that this week, a week ago, we had the highest correlation on on record? So when investors indiscriminately sell or buy equities, correlations among stocks rise. And and you can see it. uh, But the the chart that I was looking at, that that, uh, RBC put out, our quantitative people put out, was that the, the pandemic-related panic, we went to the highest we've ever had in correlation. So when stocks are moving in sinks with each other, you know, some may be mispriced, but attractive stocks may go down with lower quality stocks during these periods of time. So it's something to remember, okay? Uh, I think a lot of people uh, don't remember that, and they should. Now, look, uh, there is one thing that you have to be careful with right now, and I think it's something that, um, you know, we, we talked about this week. Uh, we, we actually, you know, uh, we have our guided portfolio, which is all cap growth, which is a great portfolio, by the way. But uh, dividends, and I think, um, you know, you're going to understand that with a GDP shock like we have, there's a sudden curtailment of income, meaning I can't pay you, okay? So dividends are paid from profits. Leases, wages, inventories, debt service, they're all part of profits, now, negative consequences could be suspending dividends. All right, we've had a couple names in our in our uh, guided portfolio suspend dividends already, and dividends are more at risk to the larger degree than the company is. Uh, if it's cyclical, if it's indebted, high debt ratings, or it's unprofitable. Okay, so uh, you know, dividends are part of the main investment case for for stocks. In the portfolio, in, in a lot of portfolios, but very few in this portfolio. Now, the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list, we'll be watching those very closely to see if anything happens. But we've we've already had a couple names in the portfolio cut, and there may be some others. So I just I I bring this up because a lot of people are looking at bottom you know fishing, and I think you have to really be you know paying attention to what's going on here. Okay, uh, so uh, look. I I noticed in our ADR portfolio, we already had a couple dividends suspended. So I, I bring this up simply because nobody's really talking about it, and I think you should. Uh, so there we go. Um, now, uh, a couple other things. Um, I, I Some people ask me, um, and I hope I have enough time for this, but 
you know, what, what are the, some of the things that you learned? Well, look, I've been looking at charts now for about 30 years, and uh, I, I think I was once told the markets are driven by fear and greed, but at this point, I'm not sure it's true. I, I think lately, uh, people are 100% driven by fear. I don't know why that changed, but uh, it has. You know, the, the fear of missing out leads us on the up, upside, and the fear is what drives us, you know, uh, of straight down half the time. So it, it's a fear, but it's it's two different types of fear. So I think you've got to understand that if you're going to be in the stock market. Also, you've got to embrace uh, the endowment effect, okay? You know, a lot of people embrace this, and I think it's a mistake, and we tend to contribute greater value to things we own. That is, if if uh, I have a special coffee mug that has sentimental meaning for me, okay? I will see that mug is quite val valuable, even though it's a it's just a convenient way to hold the mug or hold the coffee. So, look, there are some people fall in love with stocks, and I don't think that's that's the right thing to do. You know, um, I called people and told them to sell Apple back in February, and uh, I'm not suggesting that's the case now, uh, but you know, it was parabolic, and it went down 110 points, 110 dollars. That's a pretty big hit for the biggest company on earth, all right? Now, I also people, I think people, uh, you know, especially analysts, they love to compare the current market conditions to previous cycles. And yeah, look, it just, it, they, they, you know, they rhyme, but they're not the same, okay? So the problem occurs when we assume that the current movements will likely mirror those in the past. Don't do that. Uh, don't be sucked in by bear market rallies. Okay, that's another mistake. A lot of people did it back in the 2000s, and I thought, you trade them, don't stay long. And the other thing is, when you write down why you buy a stock, don't forget to write down the time frame. Is it a trade or is it an investment? If it's a trade, remember to write that down. Um, don't marry the, the stock, okay? There's a lot of people uh, who fall in love with stocks, and when the stock goes up, they feel really great about it, and then it's, let's look out below. And then... Don't, the last thing, don't mix bull markets and brains, okay? Everybody makes money in a bull market. Very few people make uh, money in a bear market. But a lot of people think they're brilliant in a bull market. <laughs> Everybody's brilliant in a bull market, okay? So, uh, you know, look, I, I think you've you got to, you know, you got to have stops. You've got to think about when to sell Sometimes it's hard to sell uh, or have stops simply because of the fact that you're, uh, you know, everything's going down at once and you don't know which one to sell, okay? So, uh, you know, don't forget that. And, and I think it's important that you, uh, you know, keep that in mind. Now, one thing I'd like to announce is that RBC, uh, J.D. Power, named us the number one full-service brokerage firm. Now, that's the second time we've got it in four years. Uh, so it's we are the number one on the J.D. Power uh, client satisfaction survey again this year. So uh, we were three years ago. We are again this year. Uh, that's a big time event, and uh, I, you know, pat myself on the back a little bit, pat my uh, compadres at, at work. Uh, but it's also guys like Bob Dickey who who could you know if you go to my webpage every day, you see his stuff, and, and believe me, looking at what Bob does, he's our head chartist. He's our head uh, technician. And sometimes it's better to see what's going on in the market than what's going to happen in the future, okay? So when you can see it,
Sometimes you can, you know, a stock market's trillions and trillions of dollars. A bond market says tens of trillions of dollars. It's hard to understand what's going on there unless you see what's going on. The other thing I like about charts is I don't care what the people are saying, you know, because you're swimming with sharks. I want to know what they're doing. That's what's important. That's why Bob's work is so important, uh, and he's on every day. So WHK1420, uh, go to my webpage. Uh, or, or go to uh, lo- go to local podcasts down to uh, Smart Investor Show. You go rec- directly to my uh, web page from there, and and click lo- uh, the daily technical analysis. You also see some uh, good good uh, uh, newsletters in there, by the way. And uh, we also have, you know the family inventory workbook, which you can download. But in the meantime, JD Power name is number one, which I think is a, a pretty big uh, announcement and. The, it's, uh, you know, it's always good to see the work that you've done is, is uh, you know, somebody likes it. <laughs> uh, but I also think that a lot of people out there, you know, wonder when we're on this show how good we really are. And uh, RBC's uh, research has been rated very, very highly among uh, most of the brokerage firms. Uh, their bond desk is second to none. Uh, they've got a great financial planning group. They've got a great trust department. And, uh, I mean, if you've listened to the show, you know the research is phenomenal. Uh, J.D. Powers says the client is happy, too. Hey, stay tuned. Once again, this is a live show, so if you want to uh, got a question, it's 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. A little Bob Seeger to start our afternoon off. Uh, but we do have a couple calls, so uh, I didn't hear the name, so I'll just ask for the first caller if I can, Andrew. Hello. Hello, is this Tim? Hello? Hello. How are you? I'm okay, how are you? No complaints, I didn't catch your name, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm Scott. Hey, my call, reason for my call is I was asking, how can we profit from the hydroxychloroquine? Well, unfortunately, it's a um, generic drug. So uh, there's two major generic drug makers that make it, uh, but I'm not allowed to say the names on air. (laughs) So you you have to call me or email me, Scott, and I'll uh, I'll, uh, send those names to you. Okay, well, that's what I was okay. looking for. Thanks a lot, and happy Easter to you. All right, all right same to you. Right, and uh, we have another call. Yeah, take it easy. Another call. Hello? Hi. Hey, Matt? Yes. Hi, Matt. How are you? Fine. Uh, around the year 2000, I went to a, a seminar called Optionetics, and they uh, traded options. And they uh, pushed MCI and Lucent, which it, at the time, they were expecting a dead cat bounce. And what happened with both those stocks is they had a, bed, a dead cat squish. They never, felt, they never uh, got off the floor. And I'm wondering, in order to do your due diligence, you do have to do some fundamentals to look at, you know, in, in, a, in uh, analy- analyzing uh, your charts, and I'm wondering. I, I'm going to guess you do do that. Could you comment on that? Please? Absolutely. 
Yeah, I mean, that's what we talk about on the show a lot is what we're trying to do is, look, I think you can make a lot more money if you take the technicals with the fundamentals and you mesh them together. So if you have, if, if I, I always look at our, our analysts' favorite stocks. I've got a list in, in my drawer, which I don't have because I don't have a drawer here because <laughs> I'm, I'm doing this from my dining room. But at my office, I have a, I have a drawer, in my drawer is a list of our analysts' favorite stocks, every analyst. So Mark Mahaney, who's on CNBC all the time, I know his best stocks. And his, his compadre, we'll just call him Matt, uh, he's a brilliant analyst. And I have his favorite guys. I got the favorite guys from biotech, from oil, you know, whatever it may be. Okay, so... I keep them, and then if they show up on my charts, I circle them and put an exclamation mark on them. So uh, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to match fundamentals and technicals all the time. Uh, now, there are some people that just do fundamentals. Uh, look, uh, Warren Buffett bought Delta Airlines at 50 bucks, 48, 50 bucks. You don't know want to know where it is right now. He bought Occidental at 33. You know, so sometimes fundamentals don't work. And by the way, I'm not criticizing Warren Buffett. He's He's the best there ever was, probably. All right, but sometimes technicals don't work. <laughs> I've been wrong. You know, I said a seven to ten percent correction. It turned out to be a big one. So you got to try to match them, Matt. Uh, if I may make one other uh, observation, there was a book I think by a man named Lefebvre called "The Adventures of a Stock Speculator or Trader," and he, what yeah. he mentioned is uh, the one thing no one expected was when the First World War started in August of 1914, President Woodrow Wilson closed the stock market for six months. I think uh, yeah. President Trump should do that. Uh, I know you know that's your, what you're doing for a living. They should close the stock market until maybe September uh, to limit all the damage. Uh, I think the stock market held up extremely well. I think it did just what it was supposed to do. It provided liquidity. It did exactly as uh, as advertised. So I disagree. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Goodbye. All right. Have a great day, Matt. All right. So, uh, by the way, once again, it's a live show, 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Now, I was looking at crude oil this week. Wow, what a move. You know, we went from 20 bucks. I would think we were below 20 bucks, up to, to almost 30 in a week, actually in, in like a day. <laughs> uh, so now, what, what's interesting is if you look at the, uh, the oil and gas exploration and production uh, ETFs, none of them moved at all, hardly. So uh, that, that's kind of interesting. If you look at the oil stocks, some of them moved, but, you know, uh, not a lot of them, let's just say. Okay, so uh, that that was, uh, I think, very very interesting. Also, um, look, I, I was looking at at you know somebody asked me, um, you know, where where would you be placing funds right now? And and look, um, I I think uh, what you have to look at is. Uh, what held up the best, okay? The stocks that are down the most, in Tim's opinion, are the ones that will be trades, you know? I, I don't, I, so I had people calling me up and say, hey, let's buy the airlines, let's buy the, the cruise lines. And I said, ah, you know, how long do you want to stay? Three days or four? Because <laughs> they're going to take a while. 
So, look, the groups that held up the best were technology and healthcare. So I just think you've got to be looking, you know, in Tim Hayes' opinion, that's what you've got to look at. But, uh, look, I, I also think, uh, will we see a, a double bottom coming up here? You know, I, I looked at the charts Friday, at the close Friday, and the move up here has been on less and less volume. Okay, now we had some of the biggest volume I've ever seen, like 5 billion shares on the S&P back on the 23rd of uh, March uh, at the bottom. And that, that was a big volume day. And we've been kind of heading south ever since. And I also noticed that we had some of the, the major names that, that went up, uh, you know, the Netflixes, the, uh, the Microsofts, the, you know, those type of names. They were kind of uh, selling off on Friday. Johnson & Johnson, uh, you know, uh, Regeneron has been a big one up there. So those names are selling off. So I don't necessarily know that <clears throat> that's the place you want to be, okay? So we'll just say, uh, do talk about that. Um, now, I, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit. Look, um, I think the path of the financial markets and the economies uh, – we have a lot of uncertainty right now, so it's you know it's kind of par for the course. Whenever you have something, we've never had like we, we had this. The last thing we had like this was the Asian flu, and I think it was 1951 or 52 or something like that. Uh, and and it you know so pandemics are something that you know we're not really prepared for. However, I will say a couple uh, um, couple things that I like is that you know simply that. Uh, the Federal Reserve has been very reactive. The government has been reactive, although I think Congress, especially the House, took their good old time putting the bill together. Uh, they probably wasted a week uh, arguing about stupid things that I, that I think are stupid things anyway. But uh, look, I think you, know, you do have the GDP. It's down, and it's going to probably stay down for a while. Uh, and I think you, you, know, you want to be uh, you know, paying close attention. But I will say this. The weekly charts, you know, and I was looking at the, um, the moving average convergence divergence, uh, it's, you know, that this is still negative, but it's narrowing. And when they get, when you get a big gap in those, that's usually a time to be uh, paying attention. But we did break support, you know, back uh, from 2018. Uh, and we went all the way down to the uptrend line that dates back to 2009, but the volume was significant. I mean, in a, in a month, we did $25 billion. Um, so we did recover that support fairly quickly, which is also a very positive thing. So, uh, you know, those are a couple things that uh, I thought were kind of interesting. Um, now, there, there are some other things that we need to talk about and... <laughs> Hold it, my, my machine's doing weird things. Um, and uh, ah. so, look, we, we, we rallied back above some resistance, which is positive. And, and one of the things I, I think is really interesting is we're at the 200-day moving average, okay? So the 200-day moving average is kind of a crucial thing. So short-term data is likely overbought. Longer-term data, weekly data, is very oversold. So I think we're going to have a short-term, you know, pullback, which I used to buy, by the way. The other thing I noticed is several gold stocks this week, I've been telling you to shine up your ideas on gold, broke above major resistance. Many good gold stocks broke above major resistance. 
That means that resistance becomes support. And that support goes back to 2013. I know of three stocks. Uh, you got to call in for those to get them. Uh, I'm not giving them out. So those are things that you have to keep in mind. I think that there's, uh, you know, w one of the keys right now, I think, is uh, if we look at major drawdowns, uh, you know, we have the quadrant balance oscillator at negative 5%. Uh, that, that's a pretty big, pretty low number. Um, you know, we, we have the, the daily uh, momentum figures, you know, starting to turn over, but the weekly momentum figures are still heading down. So, uh, we, you know, the, quadrant, the weekly quadrant balance measures are still oversold. So I think what's going to happen is we're going to have a correction, you know, again, a pullback. I don't think it's going to be 37% or anything like that. And then I think they're going to go back up together. All right. Once again, live show. You've got a question, 216-901-0945, 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Muscle and blood and skin and bones, a mind that's weak and a back that's strong. You load six. Okay, we're back. Little stones to start your afternoon. Anyway. Uh, you know, this is part of the show where we talk about the bullish percent, which is our main risk guide. Uh, and look, uh, you know, I had a guy in my office a while back uh, when they could actually come to my office, and uh, he said, "Well, I'm not, I'm not running my portfolio based on X's and O's." And I said, "That's fine, but unfortunately, these X's and O's tend to be, uh, you know, prognosticators of things to come." And I, I said, "Look." I don't sell all portfolios when we go into a column of X, uh, O's. I do, however, uh, pay attention to things that I'm, I'm not doing well on or, you know, there's a possibility they may crater. So, anyway, the bullish percent was designed to be a, a risk uh, guide. So it goes from 0 to 100, and when, uh, you know, you're in a column of X's, you have the offensive team on the field. We have that right at the moment. Uh, when we go into column of O's, we have a defensive team on the field. And when the defensive team is on the field, you'll find that we go into distribution. Distribution occurs a lot faster than accumulation. That's just the easiest way to say it. And um, the keeper of that is uh, our friends at Dorsey Wright. Uh, Tom Dorsey and Watson Wright are two uh, they're wonderful gentlemen. And, uh, you know, what they have found is that there's two lines in the sand here. Uh, 70 is when... It's too hot to handle. Remember, we were at 63 back in September. I mean, back in uh, January, 63.9 percent. That was pretty close to 70. Uh, we were at three two weeks ago. That's pretty close to zero. <laughs> the other line is 30, and th when we're below 30, usually that's the green zone, and that's when everybody's bummed out about their their uh, portfolio. That's when you should be buying. Okay, so we were close to 70. We turned down. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be that big a correction. I, I, I thought it would be a, a decent-sized one. But what we did was we went all the way to the uptrend line dating back to the bottom of 2009, uh, which wasn't anticipated, but for obvious things that we didn't know about then, uh, we, we came into. Now, one of the things I did notice is that the S&P 500 is now officially just one box away from moving to a positive trend for the first time since flipping negative. I, I think it was March 16th it flipped uh, Totally negative, anyway. Uh, it has a fun score of 3.3. Remember, 3 is kind of a line in the sand. It makes it a more positive score. And it has a relatively normal overbought, oversold reading of minus 39. Remember, it got up to a negative, I mean, it got down to negative 100. 
The problem is it's right at its uptrend line, okay, dating back to the high in February. So I think you take that into account. Now, uh, the ener energy sector uh, has ranked dead last in, in our uh, dynamic asset level investing. And uh, U.S. sectors ranking 11th due to the extreme weakness relative to the other broad sectors. So um, there's, there's some interesting things going on here. But technology is number one. Healthcare is number two. Consumer non-cyclical is number three. Communication services number four. Utilities number five. And then... These are all unfavored basic materials, industrials, financials, energy, consumer sickles, and real estate are dead last. Energy moved up three. Okay, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, we've got a very interesting time coming here. And it's, um, um, well, let's just put it this way. I, I, uh, I believe that what we're looking at here is, is a scenario uh, where um, we could definitely see uh, and that's the best way to put this. Uh, a, a corrective phase. You know, I, I, look, we've come a long way fast, and um, you know, I, I think you have to be uh, paying closer attention uh, to what's going on out there because uh, what we see is suddenly everybody's, uh, you know, um, happy again, right? And, and that's not the way it works. Uh, you know, we we are. Uh, in a situation where we've, we've run almost, well, we've run, what, 25% uh, uh, in just the last uh, uh, two weeks. And I think you've got to understand that, you know, we're not going to go straight up from here, okay? So, I mean, if you're a trader, uh, I think that, you know, what I'd be doing is looking at, uh, you know, situations where, you know, if, if I was going to trade, I would be, you know, moving it moving out of some stuff. Now, if I'm if I'm looking for an investment right now, I think you want to hold back a little bit because, uh, like I said, we you know we uh, we're in a situation where, uh, you know, I think you're going to find. Uh, well, let's just put it this way: I, I think uh, a pullback's coming. Now, one of the things that I did notice is that if we look at the S and P 500, there's two versions of it. There's the market weighted, and then there's the uh, each stock gets a vote weighted or the equal weight. Right now, this is the first time this has happened. Uh, we've been equal weight for a long, long time. Uh, we just went back uh, to the to the uh, uh, market weighted. So uh, that that's interesting. So this is the first time since 2009 that uh, the equal weight has been knocked out of its place, and and that's probably because uh, people want uh, they're just buying the big stocks right now. So look, the bullish percent came in at 53. It's up two point. Four. So it's gone from three to fifty-three in two weeks. Enough said. Uh, X, you know, the over-the-counter index was actually down one point one percent. So the small caps did not participate. That's where you're seeing what I just told you about. The world index was up two. It's at forty-one. So that's probably a pretty good place to do it. That is mostly because of China, by the way. So we look. There's been some positive action across all the indicators this week, which is very positive. All the major trends indicators remain unchanged, and are in a column of O in a low field position. Um, so you know there's a chance for a bigger, uh, you know, a bigger turn up. I think if that happens. Now one of the things that did happen uh, is the the high low index uh, did go into a column of X's, uh, and so did the bullish percent 
for the New York New York Stock Exchange. So, I mean, uh, the two of those going up together is a, is a very bullish scenario. Now, the, the high-low index, the number of new highs, you know, it's, it's not big. It's like 10. Okay, so it's a 10. So there's a lot of room for improvement is what I guess I'm saying there. All right. Uh, and, and I look at, at all the... Uh, the, the indexes and all the point-and-figure trends are negative right at this point. Uh, when we've had negative weekly momentum on all of them for 11, 12 weeks, where uh, the only one that's really held up the best has been the QQQs, the S&P 500, uh, market weight trust, and also the uh, large-cap stocks. So everybody's going to the large-cap stocks. I, I think that... But, you know, look, it was generally a positive week for all the major funds, uh, uh, market funds, I'm sorry, um, they were all in the black, you know, so that, that's a big positive. Uh, and, you know, we, we saw that uh, the S&P 500, which is now, I think it's two boxes from uh, moving into a positive trend as a result of the price action. Uh, we'll see what happens on Monday because um, we, we are at the downtrend line, okay? So we, we got we to gotta mess, we got to go two boxes before we, uh, you know, uh, break through and, and become a positive trend again. So we're still below the uptrend line. So we're not solid citizens. Now, one of the things that happened is that, you know, remember we were at 10 uh, and we looked at the bullish percent for all the different groups and we only had two groups that were bullish, that were favored. Remember, you want to stay in the favored sectors, okay? We now have 17. It's a big improvement. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the favored sectors and I'm going to work my way down to the most, you know, the, the ones that are, are uh, you know, I'm going to go from the highest rated ones to, I'm, I'm sorry, the most overbought ones to the least overbought. Sorry about that. So semiconductors are at 60, and I noticed they were starting to weaken Friday. Food, electric utilities, gas utilities, insurance, and restaurants were at 50. It's usually a pretty good place to buy. The Internet, electronics, and computers were at 44. That's another good place to buy. Drugs, biotech, precious metals, healthcare, software, and transportation were at 40, a really good place to buy. Oil at 35, and telecom at 30. So uh, that, that, was, that was pretty positive, uh, I mean, the way I look at it anyway. Uh, banks uh, did move into bull confirmed status, so did chemicals. That doesn't mean they're favored. That just means that uh, there's some good things happening. And also uh, protection services uh, was that way too. So a couple of good things happening. Now, we did have quite a few uh, stocks move um, from one, one group to another as far as being favored. And uh, look, we had gaming. Gaming was the only group that went to negative, uh, you know, unfavored this week. So we had a bunch of move from negative to or unfavored to average, and they were chemicals, housing, waste management, and machinery. And then going to favored is telecom, oil, bio, drugs, transportation, food, gas utilities, insurance, and restaurants. And then the most favored, obviously, is still semiconductors. So uh, I would say semiconductors and healthcare are the two that you know I'd be uh, looking at the groups I like. Now, international equities, believe it or not, it's been China. They continue to lead the pack, and, and their fund score is a 295, so it's not three yet. Still oversold by about 28.6%, but of all the, I mean, uh, you just thank God you're not in uh, Asia, you know, because it, it's down to like 72%, and the Pacific's down 50. Uh, but also the, uh, the uh, Latin American ones are, uh, I'm sorry, these are oversold. Uh, the Latin America funds are really got beat up, so that that's a group you want to probably stay away from for a while. Now, I did notice in some of the Asian ETFs that we broke above uh, 
the uh, the downtrend lines, and uh, most of these have a great deal of China in their portfolio. So there we go. Now look, uh, the U.S. Treasury ten-year yield. Uh, that's the TNX is a symbol, by the way. Returned to a buy signal. It broke another double top. So the yield's actually going up. Okay, and one of the things we did, you know, talk about was is the corporate index. It, it, it's option adjusted, but it. it you're looking at a 4% spread on high-grade corporates above the treasuries. And, and the high yields are, are at 9. And they were at 10. So that's usually a pretty good area to buy that. But you've got to make sure, you know, I'd buy them in a fund or an ETF. I, I would not be in a, in a low, you know, look, there are times when you pay for the fee, okay? And low fees are used basically not unmanaged for the most part. So pay the fee, pay the quarter point, pay the half a point, whatever it is, or find a good mutual fund because I think you have to, you know, you, you got to avoid some things. Uh, commodities, for the most part, were down for the week. Uh, the oil fund uh, did, you know, uh, break above the support, which is positive. The other thing, relative strength, I saw, you know, relative strength went positive on quite a few stocks, and that's a good thing. These are, these are some names you write down, Apache, Biomarin. British Tobacco, SIVA, Devon Energy, uh, First Energy, G3 Apparel, DC Midstream, Jack in the Box, Mondelez, Landic, Netscout, Phili Philippine Long Distance, uh, Meridian Biosciences, Weiss Markets, Ultra Genetics, Pharmaceuticals, Parsley Energy, Box, Kraft Heinz, Red Hill Bio, Insego, uh, Bonanza Creek, Meridian Biosciences. So, uh, um, we, we had uh, still have a lot of cells, and uh, I just think you just want to um, look, check your fundamentals on, on uh, your stocks. Uh, this is the best time to be looking at those, making sure that you're not wrong. <laughs> but I got a three-page list of uh, of these, and I'll just highlight a few of them: Levi Strauss, uh, Goosehead, uh, First Hawaiian Inc., uh, Rubicon, Walker and Dunlop, QCR, New Mountain Finance, Marriott. Cardonics. So there's quite a few. Uh, those I've started to check my my uh, my stuff on. Okay, sorry, folks. These are some of the problems you have when you uh, broadcast from your uh, dining room. Anyway, we're going to talk about insiders. I'm going to go over this quickly, uh, so get your pen and pencil out. had a couple big ones. Uh, Mercena Therapeutics, uh, a gentleman named Andrew Hack, bought almost $20 million worth. And, and here's a couple that are really interesting. Carnival Cruise Lines and, and uh, Carnival Corporation, PLC. Uh, uh, Randy Weisenberger bought... $10 million of each. And then Equinex, which is a REIT. Uh, we, we had the uh, uh, director buy uh, $3.1 million. And then Total, we had another buyer come in for $3 million. Remember last week we had a buyer uh, uh, of about $1.8, and then he came in again and bought another $1.8, same director. <clears throat> also, NGM Pharmaceuticals, we, uh, remember they bought last week, we had one, two, three, four, Four new buyers this week of about $1.7 million each. I'm sorry, I missed two totals. We had another couple directors buy uh, $1.6 and $1.1 million. So uh, that's kind of interesting. And then um, 
we had the chief executive officer of uh, Science Applications International buy a million dollars worth. So we're seeing quite a bit. Now, the other thing is, uh, you know, for others who like to speculate, this uh, Philip Frost from Opco uh, continues to buy pretty much every day. <laughs> uh, and the stock keeps going down, so I don't know what's going on. He's the CEO and chairman, but he uh, he bought another 500000 which brings his three-week total about $4.4 million. So uh, quite a few names there that uh, – I did notice some names that were down and out, and I'll just mention these where we saw some insiders. Coles, Apache. Uh, oh, by the way, the chairman of the board of, uh, of uh, MGM did buy some too, so I'll mention that too. But, we, uh, you know, uh, MGM, we had another buyer, the president of commercial growth. Uh, so, and then we had several uh, buys of LQDT, which was liquidity services, the chairman of the board, CEO. He bought four or five times, uh, only about 150 each time, but uh, it, it adds up. So, um, so what would I be doing now? Uh, look, I think it's important right now that you take a look uh, at a couple things. Dividend growth is important. Uh, you want companies that pay dividends no matter what. Remember, we talked earlier about in the show about dividends, stocks that could, could uh, blow up on you. Uh, so be careful. I mean, if the guys aren't getting paid, it's hard to pay you their dividends. So, you know, the dividend growth is a, is a group that have continued to increase their dividend year after year. The prime income list, I think you've got to be a little selective on that. Same with the, the guided portfolio. But you can get all those by going to WHK1420. Uh, go to local podcast down to Tim Hayes' Smart Investor Show, which goes directly to my webpage, by the way. Uh, so, you know, our... Dividend growth portfolio and our prime income list, our guided portfolio are all the good stuff. It's now a pretty good time to get your ducks in a row, all right? So the family inventory uh, workbook is something that I think is a, is a dynamite thing right at the moment. Uh, I think you can download that from my webpage. Also, credit. You know, you've got you to gotta learn how to use credit properly. If, if, it, if you do, it could be a big additive to your portfolio, okay, if you don't. So the credit, the Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook, and then for your business owners out there, the guide to, you know, the, the transfer process, uh, like I said before, uh, we found that uh, the uh, private equity people do tend to try to get the best price for them, not for you. So be careful there. Uh, anyway, if you go to my webpage through WHK1420, Tim Hayes, you can give me a call. Uh, if you'd like to talk uh, over the phone, obviously we can't get together for a while. Uh, you know, someday in the future we'll have a cup of coffee. But to talk over the phone, just talk about things, so please give me a call. Uh, or you can get any information that we have here. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Remember, uh, buy low, sell high. This is Smart Investor Show. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.